0: Thank you, Brother Dale, for the music today. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes, and let's go to the uh, 8th chapter tonight. Solomon's going to say some weird things, um, as he tends to do. But he's talking about the context, of course, of wisdom. And Ecclesiastes is part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. So before we read um, in Ecclesiastes 8... I wanted to just remind you of some things. There is such a thing as uh, bad wisdom or false wisdom. It's not really wisdom, but it's what the world and most people would consider. Oh, that's wise. And God's perspective is completely different. Because in James chapter 3, it says, Who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Now listen to this. This wisdom, this boastful, envying type wisdom, self-seeking wisdom, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Somebody say, ouch. Because that's what he's warning Christians against. We can partake of Earthly, sensual, and demonic wisdom to our own peril and our own destruction. Not that you'll lose your salvation, but your life will have the breath of hell all over it and a lot of regret and uh, wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ and a lot of broken relationships and hurting people in your path. We don't want that. The Bible goes on to say, For where envy and self-seeking exist, that's that earthly, demonic, sensual wisdom, Confusion and every evil thing are there. It just opens the door for a floodgate of, of of sin and junk and destruction. But where wisdom that is from above is first, pardon me. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits, without partiality. And without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What a contrast between demonic wisdom and heavenly wisdom. Oh, that our lives, oh, that our homes, and oh, that our churches would be filled with the right kind of wisdom. Far too often, it's the opposite, isn't it? Um, it is also possible to deceive yourself about this. Don't make the assumption, well, I'm wise, and I've got that kind of wisdom and all of that. You may not. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It reminds me of what Paul said, Therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Uh, you think you're wise? you probably not. You're probably wise in your own eyes and deceiving yourself, and the enemy will take you down that path, and it's not a pretty thing. So we need to find out what biblical wisdom is, what godly wisdom is, what it looks like, and uh, how it shows up. Well, Solomon is going to give us a clue. Let's begin reading in chapter 8 of Ecclesiastes, verse 1, and I'll kind of make a few comments as we read down through this, just to try to make it a little bit um, more understandable. Okay. Who is a wise man? Okay, we'll answer that for us, Solomon. And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the sternness, the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence, and do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his or the king's command will experience nothing harmful. Wouldn't expect to, would you? And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. In other words, you know how to think and you know when to act. Thinking and acting. Okay, the right thing. What did Moses do when he killed the Egyptian? He didn't discern time and judgment. He took matters into his own hands. He was hasty, in other words. So we don't want to do that. It's not a wise thing to do. Now, verse 6. Because for every matter there is a time or a process and there also is judgment. There's a right way to think about everything. But just because you think it and just because it's true doesn't mean it's the right time to say it. Or to act on it. Okay, That's what Solomon is saying. Be careful. You're in front of the king. He's got absolute power. And if you take up an evil cause, if you confront him, even if you're doing it for the right reasons, there's a time and a place for everything, the old timers might have said. And a wise person knows that. Okay, Because for every matter there is time and judgment. Verse 6. Though the misery of man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen. Okay? The king doesn't know. You don't know. Nobody knows what all is going to happen. So who can tell him when it will occur? Okay? Now there are people who will try that. And they'll tell you, you better buy this car today. It may not be here tomorrow. And usually you end up making a mistake. You need to invest in this stock. If you want to be a multimillionaire, man, and if you don't do it today, it's going to be too late. What happens most of the time in those situations? doesn't work out. There's a lot of things like that so we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow neither does the king or anyone else so who can tell him when it will occur i mean you can get yourself in trouble before a king if you tell him it's today and then it's not okay verse eight no one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit when the day comes and you are going to breathe your last you don't get to decide i think i'll stay another day I think I'll stay a little bit longer. I think I'll add 10 more years to my life. No, that day comes, and that's the day that you're going to die. You can't retain your spirit or your breath is literally what the Hebrew says. Okay, let's go on. And no one has power in the day of death. In fact, usually that's a time of great weakness, isn't it? There is no release from that war. In other words... um, No one discharges a soldier in the heat of the battle. You discharge the soldiers after the battle's over, okay? And wickedness will not deliver those who were given to it. And about the time you start thinking, well, I'm a grown-up, I can do whatever I want, you think you're free. What actually happens? You end up in bondage. I can control this. How many people have you heard say that? "I, I know what I'm doing, people say. Then what happens? They sow seeds of destruction. Why? Because wickedness, just like someone is not discharged in the middle of a war, you also are not let go by wickedness. You don't control it. In other words, it controls you. See what he's saying? All this I have seen and applied to my heart to every work that is done under the sun... There is a time in which one man rules over another, but to his own hurt. You know, there are those times when maybe you have authority on the job. And you decide, man, I'm going to crack the whip and show them who is in charge. And all you do is alienate everyone. And in the day when you need them to rally and help you, they're not available. You rule over other people to your own hurt. Sometimes you can be a bully, and then you wonder why nobody likes you. Sometimes you can speak out and be way too blunt, and then you wonder why nobody wants your company, why they don't ask your advice, or things like that. This is where wisdom comes in. So let's just look at four things and uh, that we've pulled out of this text and we'll just kind of take a little bit of a wisdom test are you seeking wisdom? I hope you are are you filled with the right kind of wisdom? well I hope you are because there's a wrong kind and there's a demonic kind and there's a worldly kind and there's a self-deceived type wisdom and that's why we look into the word of God so here's the first thing out of that first section of verses that we want to uh, understand true wisdom changes your outlook Now, in those verses, they're on the screen, you notice that it says it changes the look on a person's face. You know, wisdom doesn't wear a scowl. Wisdom is not off-putting. Wisdom is not that kind of thing where it makes you cranky and ugly and unapproachable and all of that. Not real wisdom. Now, there's a worldly type of wisdom that kind of says... I know all do not dare question me, that kind of thing. And you don't want to ask the question because you'll look like a fool or whatever. Well, that's not godly wisdom. Because if that were godly wisdom, we'd never be able to approach God, would we? And whenever you think about God, for those of you that are born again, what do you think about him? Does providence frown at you all of the time? You dare not approach me. You must have it right. Or is it that in the grace of God, because He has cleansed us of our sin and given us the righteousness of His own Son, whom He loves, what do you think it was like when the Lord Jesus Christ prayed? Frown or smile? Well, I'll give you a clue. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well-pleased. When you're well pleased with somebody, do you frown? You smile. And you, child of God, are just as acceptable to God as Christ is. Because God the Father has taken the righteousness of His Son... ...and He has put it into your bank account. It's It's in your books. It's on your record. That's how He sees you. Now, I know you're not righteous. And God knows you're not righteous in your practice... But in your standing before him, he sees you as perfect. When you pray, when you approach him, when you sing to him, when you worship him, when you read his word, when you meditate on the word of God, God smiles at those things. And you know what? So should you. The Bible says here that wisdom changes the face from sternness and hardness and this unapproachable touch-me-not type thing. Don't annoy me. Don't bother me. I'm way too wise for your silly little questions. It changes that. And it says here that the change that takes place, um, it makes his face shine. Shine. What does it mean to make your face shine? Okay. Have you ever watched Wheel of Fortune? Have you ever seen people when they're kind of uh, they're kind of getting close, and so they buy a vowel. Now you don't make money when you buy vowels; you spend it, right? But if it helps you solve the puzzle, then it's a good move. It's an investment into the prize. Have you ever watched the person when they spin the wheel and uh, they go, "Can I have an S?" What does their face do when they're not sure if there's an S up there or not? And then Pat Sajak goes, ah, there are five S's. How does their face change? Ah, good. And when they get to the point of, I'm trying to figure out the puzzle. And when they know the puzzle, all of a sudden they turn into, I'm going to give away my age. All of a sudden they're Arnold Horshack. Okay? Okay? There's something that changes when you know the answer. Now what Solomon is saying here is that wisdom changes your outlook on everything because you know the answer. You know there's a sovereign God. You know that there's wisdom in the Word of God. You know that there is a right and a wrong, that there's truth and there's error. You know all of that. You know it. And when you know the answer... You know the answers about marriage. You know the answers about parenting. You know the answers about finance. You know the answers about how to treat other people. You know the answers about service and justice and mercy and grace and all of that. There's something that ought to change the look on your face. And Solomon is saying here, The wise person is the person who is approachable. The wise person is happy because they've got some things figured out. And the more you learn about Jesus and the more you learn about his word and the more you learn about his ways and the more you start applying those, that ought to change the way that you look. You ought not look like you were baptized in vinegar, folks right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. I don't know how you can have the joy of the Lord inside and not have it work its way out. And that's how we get strong. It's the other things. The worldly wisdom makes us tired all the time. We're always annoyed. We're always sarcastic. We're always kind of off-putting to other people. And that will wear you out. So take to heart what Solomon said. Wisdom makes a person's face shine like someone who's figured out the answers. And that's the gift of God. Now, secondly, Solomon tells us here, as he talks about going before the king and keeping the king's commandment, true wisdom keeps its vows. True wisdom keeps vows. Now, maybe we could say this, true wisdom's also careful about the vows it makes. You know, there are some people that will promise you some things that they know they can't keep. They're just trying to make you happy. Uh, My associate pastor in Tuttle, he would say things like this. I need to tell you something, and I'm not just blowing sunshine up your overalls, okay? And some people will do that. They'll tell you what you want to hear. They will promise you anything. And really what they're doing is trying to make themselves look good. But when you do that, and church people, some church people do this. When you can't fulfill it, you don't make yourself look good, And Solomon is saying here, remember the oath, the vow that you made. He's probably making reference to, uh, in the book of 1 Chronicles, when he became king, and all of those people that were loyal to his father David, they pledged their allegiance to the king, to King Solomon. And as he says that, he is challenging them, keep your vows, keep your vows. One of the things that, uh, when I hear... Uh, a husband or a wife, and they complain about the other person, you always kind of want to say, didn't you choose him? Didn't you choose her? What are you talking about? This is a reflection upon you. And when the Bible tells us to keep our vows, to keep our promises, that certainly would include our marriage vows. It, uh, in this case, he's talking about keep the king's commandment. Uh, For the sake of your oath to God, you promised and you pledged allegiance to him. So you ought to follow through on it. And so wisdom would tell us we don't make promises that we can't keep, but we do keep the promises that we make. And uh, sometimes in our day, it's easy just to slough them off. If I can't pay, I don't worry, I'll file bankruptcy. If I take out student loans, I don't worry, let the government... uh, government doesn't pay for anything, taxpayers pay for everything, right? Uh, You hear all of this stuff, oh, it's free, oh, it's free, there's nothing that's free, nothing that's free, it all comes from somewhere, and when we think about all of these things that are promised to us, politicians are the worst, they promise it and then they can't fulfill it, and what does that do to the electorate, makes us angry, now think about us, how many times we make vows to other people in the church, to ministries in the church, and then we don't fulfill them. How many times do we promise other people, I'll be there for you, if there's anything I can do, let me know, and then when they do let you know, you can't do it. You've got to be careful, don't overload yourself. But when you do make a promise, let's be the people that have such integrity that we will do whatever we have to do to keep our word. Our country and our society and our culture, we expect people to lie to us. That's why all of the radio and television ads about cars and loans and all of that, they have that last part, the fine print, where the person says it so fast you can't even understand it. Why is that? Because people lie, people cheat. People don't fulfill what they say. We ought to be different, and wise people will keep their vows. Number three, notice that Solomon says, true wisdom acts appropriately. Don't be hasty to go from the king's presence. I mean, you don't want to be in front of the king and act like you want to be somewhere else. You're in front of Solomon. This is a man with absolute power. He can have your head separated from your shoulders anytime he wants to. There's no supreme court. He is judge, jury, jury, and executioner, okay? And uh, can you imagine standing before someone with that much power and constantly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to speed it up. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I got to go. Hold that thought. I'll be back later on. And uh, Solomon says, that's not going to bode well for anybody. And when you think about the uh, appropriateness of action, uh, don't take your stand for an evil thing. Now, Evil thing, evil thing. What is he talking about? The context of being before a king. If you are the person that is standing before the king, don't try to get out of there and make the king feel like he's unimportant to you. That's not going to be good for you. That's not a wise thing to do, in other words. And the other thing that he says is don't take up an evil cause. Evil toward whom? Evil toward the king. See, when you're standing in front of the king and he gives you an audience, that's probably not the time to complain. That's probably not the time to join the king's enemies. That's probably not the time to launch a rebellion. That's probably not the time to try to do anything like that. That would be taking up an evil cause. And what is the king going to say about that? Well, it's going to be tough. And Solomon explains that. Why do I not want to do this evil thing against the king? Because he does whatever he pleases, right? Verse 4, where the word of a king is, there is power, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Nobody has that right. Not in that type of a system. And so what Solomon is saying here, I know we don't live under a a kingship like that. There's an old um, uh, uh, story that Ronald Reagan used to tell, and he said an American was talking to a citizen of the Soviet Union, communist, and uh, the American said, you know, in my country we have freedom of speech, and I can tell president reagan you know i don't like the way you're running the country and i have the right to do it and there's nothing he can do soviet citizen said i can do the same thing american said you can he goes yeah he said i can march right into general secretary gorbachev's office and i can pound my fist on his desk and say i don't like the way president reagan is running his country okay? well what is solomon saying there's a right way and a wrong way a right time and a wrong time for everything And some of us are experts at finding the wrong time and the wrong way and the wrong procedure to do something that might actually be good. But it gets sabotaged. It gets messed up. It gets thrown aside. And then we wonder why we find ourselves alone at the well of Midian and wondering what happened and where God is and why things just didn't work out. We've got to be careful to follow the Lord's ways and following the Lord's ways is to walk in wisdom, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But, child of God, remember, it's just the beginning. God is still teaching, and you are still learning, and we all have a long way that we need to go. Which brings me now to this fourth thing. True wisdom knows its limitation. Did you catch that thing where Solomon says, no one can keep their breath, their spirit, Ruach is the Hebrew word. It can be translated either way. It can also be translated wind. And so some people have said this is saying that you can't control the wind. But I think better the context here is saying that when the time comes for you to die, you can't keep your spirit within you. You're going to give it up. The Bible says when Jesus is on the cross, remember, that after he said it is finished, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he gave up his spirit. King James says, gave up the ghost. Uh, What is is that saying? The spirit does not remain in a dead person. You can't control it. It's going to be gone. And, And then he tells us some other things in these verses that lead me to say, a wise person knows his own limitations. You see, it's a fool who puffs themselves up. It's a fool who takes on things that the $6 million man couldn't take on. It's a fool who overloads himself. And some of us get kind of foolish sometimes. My mother had such a servant's heart, she just could not tell the church no on anything. And my dad would say, you are going to have to stop this. You're doing, you're taking on things you don't have time to do, you don't have the ability to do. It'd be better to pour your heart into one or two things than it would be to take on 16 things that you really can't do well. And I think that's kind of what Solomon is trying to get across to us. Nobody knows the future. Nobody knows what is going to happen, good or bad, up or down, with any certainty. You know, we might make a guess and we might see the trends and there might be a high probability of it, but we don't really know for sure, do we? We don't know how long we're going to live. God does because Psalm 139 says that they've already been appointed to us before we were born, but you and I don't know when that is, and I'm kind of glad I don't know, and you're probably glad you don't know. But there comes a time when we probably will know. I don't know how you're going to die. But most of the people I've seen die. It's kind of a long process. Usually it's not a murder. Usually it's not any of those kind of things. Usually it's some type of disease. Or it's a slow decline because of old age. And people kind of get an idea that things are kind of coming to an end. But we can't say with any certainty on anything. Now Solomon is trying to get across to us. That if you are a truly wise person, then there are going to be some things that are going to happen. You're going to have joy instead of anger, regret, grudge, bitterness, or sorrow. Remember, he told us that. You're going to know how to appropriately act in the right situation. There's a time to speak. There's a time to be quiet. There's a time to stand up for things. There's a time not to. We, we need to learn that. Learn how to win people over. Learn how to influence people in the right way. And he kind of insinuates here and learn how to keep ourselves out of trouble. He, he also is telling us that as we are learning and growing and, and acting in uh, an appropriate manner that we um, understand too that We keep the vows. I kind of got them out of order. And we become men and women of the Word of God. And the Word of God leads us to be men and women who keep our Word. We pay our bills, we do what we say we're going to do. We can be trusted in things, in everything. In our lives. It's part of our testimony. The testimony of wisdom. And you know if you keep your promises. You're just going to have a better life. You'll have fewer people calling you. And you don't want to answer the call. You'll have fewer people criticizing you. You'll have fewer people that want revenge against you. Uh, All kinds of things that happen. uh, When you do that. Just keep your word. And act appropriately for the situation. Win people over. And then know your limitations. Because You're not Superman, and there are just some things you can't do. And don't be a liar. Don't be a person who promises and can't fulfill. Uh, Sometimes it's unintentional. I understand that. But some people are just so full of themselves that they uh, promise things that they know they can't keep. And when they make the promise, they know they can't do it. And all that is is ugly, awful, wicked, and very, very frustrating and disappointed. So when we think about wisdom, I want to ask you, how is your prayer life? As, as I conclude, I just want to say this. Wisdom and prayer go together. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. It says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. That would be nice, wouldn't it? And not only to know his will, but to know it in all spiritual wisdom. The right kind of wisdom and understanding. You see, I think Moses had an idea of what the will of God was for his life. But he didn't have spiritual wisdom and understanding. He took it upon himself and he made a mess. Now the good news is that doesn't throw God's plan off track because he is so sovereign and all knowing that he's already factored in your flesh, your sin, your stubborn will, and your stupidity. And I'm really, really, really grateful for that. I have a lot of it. And so, spiritual wisdom and understanding. You need to know the Lord, the, the Lord's will, but you need to know it in spiritual wisdom, not earthly wisdom, and with understanding of the ways of God. Before too much longer, we're going to do a message on the difference between The works of God and the ways of God. Okay? Just a preview. And it's not until you really know the ways of God that you'll walk in wisdom. You need to know His ways. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. But the Bible also says, and this is kind of nice, James chapter 1 verse 5. Do any of you like wisdom? Is there an amen anywhere in here? Any of you like wisdom? Well, we have a measure of it, I'm sure but I don't have all I'd like to have. Do you have all you'd like to have? No. And he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Is that not prayer? Let him ask God. And what's the promise? Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. I like that without reproach because most of the time when I ask for wisdom, self-disclosure here, I do it after I've messed up. Lord, I've messed this thing up so bad. I don't know what to do. Would you give me wisdom? Aren't you glad that according to James 1.5, he doesn't go, nope? Because that's when I really need it. I confess my sin. I ask for wisdom. And he gives it. And how does he give it? Generously. And he gives it without reproach. He'll never look at you when you ask for wisdom and say, What's wrong with you, dummy? You ought to have that by now. He never does that. That's what James is saying. You come to him when you've blown it. You come to him when you're in a mess. You come to him when you can't figure things out. Because Solomon told us a wise man will be able to figure things out. That's what verse 1 means. Well, when you can't, where do you run? Run to the source of all wisdom. And when you ask, the scripture promises... He will give it. So we find the example of Paul praying for other people to have wisdom. That'd be a good thing. Pray for me. Pray for President Trump. Pray for the Supreme Court. I mean, pray for your boss. Pray for your husband as he leads your family. Pray for your parents as they lead you and uh, all of that. We ought to pray for that for one another like Paul did. But don't forget to pray for yourself. Because you've got a God who is the source of all wisdom, the God who wants to give it to you, and the God who can put these four things into your life. And I think anybody with any degree of wisdom kind of instinctively knows if those four things are in your life that Solomon spoke of, that's going to help you. You don't need any more trouble. The world has enough trouble. Life has enough trouble. Jesus promised us in the world you'll have tribulation. But you know what I find? And it must grieve the heart of God. So many people make their problems worse because they're just not very wise. May God grant that we become people that are wise and that we don't make life more complicated because of our stupidity. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we do want to ask you now, that we might be filled with the knowledge of your will. But more than that, we need it in all spiritual wisdom and in understanding. And there are a lot of other things that that chapter and the upcoming verses have to say about that in Colossians. But we'll stop there. Please, spiritual wisdom, to know your will and to understand you and your ways. How you made us, how you've gifted us, what you've called us to. So we don't get distracted and tangled up in a bunch of stuff that we're not supposed to do. We'd like to have focus in that. But we're not smart enough to do it. And so we pray for one another. We want to pray, Lord, that that would not just be true uh, for us or for our church. But, Father, we pray that it would be true for people that we love... We also pray you be true in our government. We pray that you would give wisdom to our president, wisdom to his cabinet, wisdom to governors, wisdom to state legislators, wisdom to mayors and city councils and school boards, wisdom to judges. Oh, Father, that we might be awash with spiritual wisdom in this nation once again. Please. Now let it start with us. And we're asking you, According to your word and promise in James chapter 1, Lord, we lack wisdom and we admit that. Please, Lord, put us on the track on the pursuit of wisdom so that as we are becoming more wise that we change from unapproachable defensive people who are afraid to ever be wrong to people with a smile and people with the a joy of the Lord so that we're approachable and so we have a better outlook on life and we don't see just the negative. We see the positive things. We see what you're doing. Help us, Lord, that we would be wise and able to keep our vows, that our marriages would be strong, that our commitments would be strong, that we would be strong in the way we handle our finances, that we would fulfill our vows. Help us, Father, that we would learn how to act appropriately. Know how to reproach people. Know how to counsel people. Know how to teach people. Know how to persuade people. There's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. And there's a right time and a wrong time. May we be accurate because we're walking in wisdom and led by the Spirit. And then, Father, please let us know our limitations. So we're not so full of pride. And full of arrogance. That we take on things that we shouldn't. And we think of ourselves in a way that we shouldn't. And we lord it over other people. And try to control and manipulate other people. And change other people. We need to change ourselves. And we pray you would search our heart. As the psalmist said. And you would change us by your power. In other words Lord. Please. Please. Make us to be wise as the children of God, with your wisdom. And we pray this now upon the merits of your promise, trusting you to do it. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.